Thank you for that welcome. Uh, great to be here. Um, I've had a, a long, rather tangential relationship with the SRHE, which does mean I have a lot of friends, even if I'm not here very often. Um, so Claire and I are dividing this. Um, we've really gone into a sort of feeling that production was much better if there were two of us to nag each other than if we were on our own. And what we've done here is actually take the title we were given quite seriously, Beyond Academic Mobility. So I'm not really going to talk a great deal about um, the politics, outcomes and so on of Brexit, but I'm very happy to discuss it um, uh, in, uh, in answer to questions. And so what I um, really do want to make a point of saying that this is a three, there's a three notions at the heart of this presentation. Um, one, that Brexit may be the catastrophe that Terry was suggesting, um, but actually there's an awful lot we don't know and there is quite a lot of manoeuvring room. But what is sure is that the way that uh, there is an eventual settlement uh, will depend so much on the mega-politics of the British government and the EU outcomes. Um, but what that leaves us with is still, at the moment, quite a lot of uncertainty. Um, and the focus on academic mobility, um, Claire and I might not necessarily agree on this, but I think that what um, I want to point out, and I'm going to illustrate this with some historical examples, um, is that um, mobility is essentially an instrument used to political ends. And what's quite interesting is to look at the way the ideas and the institutions um, uh, back up particular ideas of mobility. Um, and, uh, you know, we are looking at this in a European context. It's very likely, and in fact, of course, during the Cold War, it was a fact, um, that academic mobility can be used for quite different in, in support of quite different values. Um, and there will be this third idea about the, which Claire will be dealing with, about the challenges and opportunities of Brexit um, and the role of the public university. So, um, the structure is what's the best Brexit agenda for UK higher education research? Understanding, of my bit, understanding the EU connection. And, and then, in the second half, building on the Brexit uh, opportunity. And I think that a really useful reference point um, is this House of Commons um, Education Committee. Um, I'm showing you two slides about sort of political views at a high level. Um, the House of Commons Education Committee took um, evidence from uh, all the usual suspects, but I think that one of the things that was quite impressive, and Claire and I were very much involved in this, um, is that it was an energetic committee um, and a pretty independent-minded chair. And they did, you know, they actually went to places. They went to a number of universities. Um, and that uh, what they have come up with at the end, which you might want to look at more, is um, really um, uh, a list of which uh, is an agenda to try and protect what, what we've got. I think the second point is significant because what they're saying is you just cannot uh, think about mobility on its own. You've absolutely got to set it in context. And if we have a government which at the same time is trying to run a very restrictive 
uh, immigration policy which has deep effects, deleterious effects on higher education, you need to tackle um, that as well. And I think the recommendation one from the end is also interesting. Um, I think that there's very likely to be a deal on Erasmus, uh, Horizon, uh, the um, participation of British, uh, maybe on rather expensive terms, in the existing schemes. But there will be a number of institutional losses as well. And one of them will be the structural funds, which after all affects quite a lot of bits of Britain, and universities have benefited from that. Um, that's just an indication of, of one of the losses that we will face. Now the other slide of <clears throat> what political leaders think is this one, which um, I think, um, although I printed, used it in something I've written, actually comes from UUK. Uh, um, and I think it's interesting because this is, after all, the discourse that you're hearing about Brexit and the government and how gung-ho one can be. Um, because, uh, as I think you all know, there's a huge um, emphasis on being in the top ten. And, you know, it's, it's good, the favourite destination for international students. And there are all sorts of good supporting evidence that uh, international students feel well supported once they're in Britain. Um, and it's quite interesting that the Britain scores well on the innovation. But that global research impact of cross-border authorship involving the UK, um, I think you should all look at very sceptically in terms of British performance, because it's not just British performance. You know, this is Britain as part of a very effective infrastructure within the EU. And I think that it would that uh, it would be a much fairer table which reflects the reality of cross-border research, which is the productive research, um, had Germany, France, Italy, the Netherlands being grouped together with Spain coming in, and that what we'd seen as a table of US, China, uh, and Europe, you know, the three leading geographical areas for higher education and research. But we're going to go on hearing how Britain can go do it alone, um, because quoting tables like this. Um, what um, I want to deal with um, rather rapidly are the, uh, is really about academic mobility in the EU today. Here are some figures that you can see. You know about Erasmus. You know about the mobility of researchers. Um, you probably know that... Um, uh, the EU and the education part of it, uh, the Commission, the D Directorate General for Education and Culture, uh, manages um, the European Institute of Technology and uh, the Knowledge and Information Centres. And that's actually quite interesting because that links up with innovation. Its work in supporting the Marie Curie programme, of course, links up with the research area. And what we're seeing, I think, is... Um, uh, more integration across policy areas. Um, a point I want to emphasize really strongly is that mobility is not a standalone policy. Um, the mobility that we have at your universities have enjoyed, your students, many academics, um, is actually not just because somebody has thought up a mobility contract as you have with bilateral arrangements, 
um, but because it derives from the Treaty of European Union. And this is why, in the negotiations at the moment, you're hearing um, Barnier uh, for the Commission uh, talking about freedom of movement and the non-discrimination between EU citizens as really um, areas of no compromise. They're, they're, they've grown out of a treaty uh, which is based explicitly on the values of democracy and human rights and solidarity between the peoples of Europe and the promotion of economic and social justice. It's something which is more deeply embedded than just a technical um, uh, a package of mobility. Um, I'm seeing your fingers are not yet waving, Dr. Letha, good. Um, what, um, this is something I can only sort of indicate rather quickly, but um, I mean I've spent quite a lot of time looking at the history of the idea of, thank you so much, <laughs> of um, uh, higher education within the EU. And you know what's fascinating is that right at the beginning there was a view that there should be some sort of university dimension to the EU. Um, but um, and that idea and while typically the lead the, the heroes the the, old, the great men of the, the the founding fathers thought of an institution, the universities were really keen to have something which was to the benefit of all. And in 1960. You know, the ideas that we know about today and which appear in Erasmus Plus were already being put forward. But of course, nothing happened because these were just ideas and there couldn't be any political agreement to it. And then you probably... Have, have people heard of the, the joint study programs of 1976? The, you, oh, these were... Um, uh, so, I mean, when, when the Commission got an education section, um, and a very energetic person who was, in fact, the Welshman Howell Jones, some of you will know perhaps, um, they got together a pilot scheme to link universities and part of it was just to get students moving in an area where um, there were so many different forms of admission regulation that mobility was really difficult and this was sort of the contracts which eventually turned up in Erasmus to link universities. But what we see, therefore, is over the years, um, gradually that idea of mobility, which has never died, as being essential to making the EU the EU or its predecessors, um, has been to get, uh, first of all, some institutional support and funding. Secondly, to have a conception of common rules. And um, uh, this actually has seen really its fruition in the Bologna Declaration and the Bologna process where the action lines um, established really a common understandings of quality assurance, um, recognition and, and structures, even if it's not always implemented. And that's why I think we're seeing, and we should not underestimate, the mobility as part of the higher education and research has a strategic place in in, in um, EU uh, policy. Um, I mean, this is a huge achievement. If you look again at, at British government comments on this, and there was a rather... Um, you often hear about creeping competence. Um, it's an idea I'd contest very strongly, even when it's in that sort of uh, form that um, actually on the whole we think it's good as long as there's no more of it. I, 
when these things happen, they actually go through a political process which has a decision at the end of it. You know, these things are traceable, democratically traceable, um, and if higher education and research is now seen as strategically important to the EU, that's because the Camerons, uh, the Merkels, uh, the François Hollande's, and it might even have been Berlusconi in those days, agreed to it. And I think that's another message that I'd really underline. Um, that is actually all I have to say.